it's nighttime. There's mm. a glow coming off the menu. You're mm-hmm. talking shit about your parents. <laughs> you know, you crack that sugar cookie in half and you split it with the person you, you love the most. With the person you love most. <laughs> oh. Welcome to Please Bless This Podcast. The podcast where two sisters talk about everything Mormon and pop culture. Mm-hmm. Today? And oh, oh. please. <laughs> Off to a good start. Today, what are we talking about? Today, we are home. Last week, you may have noticed that there was not an episode. Yeah, I was so sorry about that. We had planned to secretly film in our parents' house. Turns out that was extremely complicated and ambitious. And Mm -hmm. we gave up on that idea almost immediately. Yeah, and also we were just kind of tired. And having fun and watching Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Just being sisters. Being sisters drinking sodies. Yes. Which is one of the main um, uh, topics of today's episode. We want to talk about how Mormons love soda Mm -hmm. and about Mormon soda shops and about how when we go to Utah, basically our top priority is to get a soda and a sugar cookie and just live that Mormon life. Can we talk about how the soda shop in our parents' town didn't have sugar cookies? Yeah. I feel like we I just mean, never talked about it. Like we just tried to avoid the subject and just yeah. moved past it. But now that it's in our past, it's in the rear view, we should talk about how upsetting that is. It was a devastating blow. Yeah. If you're going to open a fucking soda shop <laughs> anywhere, I don't care. Come if correct. Utah, come correct. Make yeah. those iced sugar cookies. I'm yeah. not playing around. Okay. Yeah. If I'm going to have a dirty Diet Coke, I need a, a sugar cookie the size of my size of my face. Yeah. To yes. eat with it. Yes. Um, let's for folks who don't know about Mormon soda shops, let's just tell you a little bit about it. You yeah. may or may not have seen an article in the New York Times in 2021 about the Mormon soda wars. Mm-hmm. So it's legit. It's in the New York Times. The New York yeah, Times is talking. There are soda shops all over Utah, Idaho, Arizona. I wish mm-hmm. they'd come where we are. Man, I know. I'm dying for I'm a soda not that shop. far away. I'm in Oregon. Please. Yeah, please bring me a soda shop. And when was the first time we ever experienced this ourselves? Honestly, not that long years. ago. It's been like within the last five. Yeah. I mean, they haven't been around that long. I did a little bit of research. So the main mm-hmm. soda shops um our swig which is the og yeah. started in 2010 um they've trademarked the dirty uh soda concept yeah and and that just basically means like you're adding flavoring to a soda that's right. what makes it dirty yeah um and swig i would say is number one yes goat goated I, I think Absolutely. we may get some resistance to that, maybe some hate, but I'm going to stand care. by it. Yeah. It's number one. They've Absolutely. got the right ice. They've got the right menu. They've got the right sugar cookie. cookie. The cookie. Yeah. And this is the thing. I don't know that it came up in the New York Times article so much or that outsiders fully understand this. The cookie. Mm. You got to. The cookie is central to the experience mm. here. You're mm-hmm. getting a big styrofoam cup of soda with pebble ice Mm. my go-to swig order is the founder which is diet coke lime coconut cream 
boom, boom, boom. Sublime. Yeah. On the side, a sugar cookie this big. Mm-hmm. For the viewers. Pink, pink frosting, thick. Mm-hmm. Or served. blue swig. I think it's sure, blue sure, swig. Sure. No, it's pink. I just had one. What? When? I know. I knew the, the oh, look on your face. Uh... So we were in Utah, but Katie left a day before me, and the day after, mom and I got some swig. I have to try. Really I hard wasn't to not be even going to tell you. <laughs> it's okay. pink, but also the cookies are served cold. Mm, yeah, real cold, mm-hmm. borderline frozen, ice cold. You break it. Not a crumb in sight because it's chewy, held together by coldness. Mm. Oh man, talking. I just had one last week. I'm ready for another. I might have to order some like crumble cookies. Yeah, crumble is crumble is like the poor man's version of a swig cookie, except that it's just everywhere and people love it for some reason. For some reason, but But very similar to the soda wars nowadays, there are the cookie wars. Crumble is suing everybody out here and crumble is crumble is also a Mormon company. Don't forget out of Utah. Mm -hmm. So swig is the OG. Um, Mm -hmm. second uh soda company to spring up and also i think second best like if you can't mm-hmm. get swig this is what you want so delicious so delicious so delicious yeah yeah started in 2013 um so delicious has more uh, on their menu more of the soda names are like specifically referencing mormon culture there's some yeah. of that at swig but there's a lot more of it it's so delicious yeah. like i was looking at their menu they have a drink called the second wife they have one called eternal companion nickmo which mm-hmm. uh, means non-committal makeout a uh a an acronym I had never encountered until I went to BYU and people were talking yeah. about NICMOs. Mm. You yep. gotta get a NICMO in when you can. You if, get uh, a NICMO in when you can. Yeah. yeah, so delicious. Also, this is off the record. Okay. The co-owner of um So Delicious is our relative. Same what? last name, same spelling. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Off the record in that we have no idea if we're truly related, but I'm I sure I don't we know are. her, but we have the same last name, same spelling, so we are at least mm-hmm. second, third cousins. Yeah. So we are a part of the So Delicious Empire. Yeah, give me a cut. By blood. Lady. <laughs> and by a cut, I mean just mail me a cookie once a month. Yes, please. So Delicious also has the sugar cookies. They're not messing around. They've got them. They're good. Right. They're not exactly the same. There was a time when I would have told you, oh, maybe I prefer Swig Soda, but So Delicious cookies. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. play that game anymore. Mm -mm. Swig is first. So Delicious is second. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, The third major player unfortunately (laughs) is fizz fizz um founded in 2014 the only option in our parents town no cookies and like the drink options were fine Mm -hmm. i mean it was good good. my drink was good but But without a cookie i don't care yeah if and and the and the drink wasn't as good let's be clear Mm -mm -mm. if we'd had any other option in town 
fizz yeah. would not be where we would choose it's the to go. last but option it's fine and honestly if a fizz opened up down my street i'd be ecstatic i'd be going all the time yeah mm-hmm. but bring back the cookie what are you doing fizz for crying out loud in the new york times article they also mentioned twisted sugar mm-hmm. um and there are apparently lots of them i've never even seen one or been to one Me neither i have no opinion about them they nope. used to have a different name but it changed to twisted sugar in like 2015 okay cool for them again come to my town i'm not yeah. i wouldn't be mad about it god bless yeah i would lose my mind they'd make a killing here yeah oh. so what is your go-to soda i mean same as you i'm just mm-hmm. looking for a little lime lime in the coconut mm-hmm. you know with a little coke i'm not doing diet coke at the moment trying to get mm-hmm. off the sauce but i'll take a regular coke straight up coke or root beer but mm-hmm. sometimes i'll mix it up sometimes i'll do something crazy do i usually regret it yes yeah but- because there's something so pure about the diet coke lime coke and because i have so few opportunities you know Mm. you don't want to squander the opportunity on some weird little freak i know here's a story so katie and i were supposed to go to utah in may and Mm. um we were both bringing like our husbands with us and it was going to be their first times spending a significant amount of time in utah and one of the things we hyped was like, we're going to go to Swig or So Delicious. We're going to get these drinks. We're going to get these cookies. You don't even know what's coming. Yeah. Um. The morning of the trip, <laughs> Katie is in the car with her family driving to Utah. I'm about to head to the airport. Um. Our parents tell us they have COVID. Mm. Trip is canceled. Brutal. Katie's family (laughs) turns around two hours into the trip and heads down to California instead Mm -hmm. uh, to to stay with me and my husband Mm -hmm. where there are no soda shops, where there is no Utah experience. But obviously it was great and we had a lovely time. But the first thing I did after you you'd called and we're like, okay, we're going to come to you instead. Mm -hmm. I got myself onto Instacart. (laughs) <laughs> and I got some sodas, some coconut cream, some limes, mm-hmm. and I was ready. Yeah, and bless you for that. They were delicious. We also got some crumble cookies. Yeah, we did. We did not. We mess did around. it. We made it happen. We did the best you we made could. It happen. Yeah, we did the best we could, and it was great. But I got to tell you, sitting in that swig drive-through, getting that first pull of the the founder. I felt something. Yeah, for sure. It's nighttime. There's mm. a glow coming off the menu. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got some some quiet, like nighttime drive mood music playing over the stereo. Mm-hmm. You're talking shit about your parents. <laughs> you know, you crack that sugar cookie in half and you split it. With the person you love the most. With the person you love most. (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. If I have a religion now, it's swig. Yeah. It's sacred of uh, Speaking of losing your religion, how did it feel to go back after? I felt especially weird going Mm -hmm. back to Utah after starting this podcast. Yeah. It's not like in the past. I I haven't been since I've 
you know, been inactive or left the church or whatever, whatever I am now, ex-Mormon. Mm-hmm. But co- starting this podcast definitely propelled me into a, to a certain level of ex-Mormon that uh, I'm I had just newly familiar been. with. No, no. No, I, I feel the same way. In fact, in sharing this podcast with a handful of good friends of mine, I've had a few people say to me, you know, I don't necessarily engage with ex-Mormon content Mm-hmm. Um, for that's kind of where they are in their current faith journey. They've maybe left the church, but they're not looking for Mormon adjacent content. Yeah. And I respect that. And I have definitely been, been in that place there. for sure. For sure. Um, and, uh, I feel like creating this content and uh and taking in a lot more ex-mormon content because of who follows us on tiktok and who we see on instagram now Mm -hmm. um through our please bless pod accounts Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just engaging with it more than i ever have yeah and so that creates just an interesting headspace to go to utah and to spend time with people who are all in on the church yeah. Um it's um I I'm I'm not going to say that it was a negative. It wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. It was just like a noticeable shift. Yeah, in the past where if someone who we knew that was all in would bring up some like light level conversation about the church or church history or whatever, you just kind of go along and not mm-hmm. that we are more argumentative now with the people we love who are in the church, no. but there is definitely like, I don't know, a lot more consideration of, should I take it there right now? Yeah. Or later on, we're needing to like reconvene and be like, did you hear what they said? And like, yeah, you know, whereas before you just kind of like put it aside, whatever. Yeah. Now I'm like uh, incapable of putting it aside. There were a lot more shared glances between us. <laughs> and a couple of moments where you know something would be said and we'd be like really yeah are you sure about you know and not again not combat combative no not disrespectful just sort of like wait isn't the issue this right yeah so yeah it um it was just an interesting experience in some ways i think it was really positive for Mm -hmm. me because I feel like my eye I was just a little more um tuned into reality yeah like I wasn't just sort of letting everything wash over me Mm -hmm. um numbly Mm -hmm. like I have sometimes in the past yeah for sure I definitely I think that that's great I definitely feel a little bit more concern and a little bit more freaked out a little bit more negative but all in all I felt like it was good I feel like doing this podcast has kind of been like therapy which I feel Mm -hmm. I know that also regular therapy is would be appropriate for the experiences that we've gone through Mm -hmm. but this man this has sure helped and I feel like when we started doing this we didn't really have the intention of making it like an like a full-blown like ex-mormon podcast no to make it like a pop culture thing (laughs) and now it's just like we are entrenched Mm -hmm. you know we are in the trenches of ex-mormon 
content and it's great. And it's actually been a great thing. I think so too. Um, I think one thing I noticed being in Utah and being around true believing Mormons for the first time in a while is how everything Mormonism is the default um, of every conversation, of every uh, observation, of every comment. It's just like, even though folks know that we are not mm-hmm. practicing Mormons, they continue to talk to us as though that is our shared mm-hmm. understanding, if not belief. Yeah. I think that, and we don't really need to get into this, but I think that our parents, especially our mom treats me like I'm going to come back. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And, um, that's fine, you know, obviously, but I mean, man, I just can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine being back in the church and having kids and going through my kids leaving. Like, I really don't know where she's at mentally, but just have the freaking conversation. It'd be tough. Yeah. That would be a tough position to be in. Yeah. And I think that I know that because I did have a conversation with mom on this trip, which is not for the podcast about, (laughs) um, about my leaving the church. And it was the first open conversation we've ever had about it. I do know that in her, from her perspective, she doesn't bring it up as a way of being, of trying to be respectful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that uh I can understand that but I also sometimes the lack of curiosity or inquiry is comes across more as like dismissal or Mm -hmm. um just an unwillingness to engage yeah and I I when I did when we did have a talk about it that was not the case she was very engaged and very open Mm -hmm. to talking about it and I didn't get the sense that she thinks I'm coming back mm. or she's That's trying good. to get me to come back. And that was really positive. But I, uh, but also multiple times she did say, you know, like oh, the churches are, is what we're invested in. We're going to serve in the church. We're going to believe in the church. And, and so I think that is still going to be that baseline, mm-hmm. that default when we interact. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it's a matter of, for us, of figuring out, like, how we navigate that, if there are boundaries we need to set around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We pretty much just need to learn to be okay with it. (coughs) I think so too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, not that we need to super get into it, but just got to get over it. Nothing's going to change. Yeah. Um, pivoting back. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go back. Our beautiful experience. Uh, our love for Mormon soda shops. Ugh. Why do you think? Well, let me ask you this. Two questions. First, what was your experience drinking soda as a kid? Because I wonder if it was different for mine. I think it was probably the same. I don't think I ever had a Coke until I was an adult. Okay, same. I we- I had had root beer, Sprite, whatever. But I, I had coffee before I had Coke. Mm-hmm. Actually, I had like somebody at school would buy me a Starbucks. I think Mm -hmm. that I had more interest in trying coffee because I thought it like looked really yummy and it was, you know, and so I kind of got into drinking coffee as like in my late teens. Sure. But um, 
yeah uh coke i mean i never had it okay uh, even beyond the point where i cared i didn't care anymore but i still had just never had it yeah i wasn't sure if mom and dad had kind of loosened up about that by the time you no. were a kid when i was a kid it was like you can't drink caffeine right was the rule period and um and i think a lot of mormons culturally were doing that in those days mm-hmm. um and i remember being at like friends birthday parties and mm-hmm. they'd be serving like pepsi or coke and i was like oh i can't have that mm-hmm. and it'd be like well this is all we have and i would just have to go without yeah even yeah, as a little totally. kid i was like well i i absolutely cannot have that yeah no i would have never never it. it wasn't in the house i remember too even like i think bark's root beer is like the only root beer that has caffeine and we yeah. like knew that yeah and so you could have root beer but you couldn't have bark's root beer because bark's had caffeine yeah it was a and big in retrospect deal. bark's is the best root beer yeah. <laughs> shout out at, to your old youtube channel where you did root beer tasting yes uh finley tucker on youtube root beer <laughs> taste test good time one and i realize with a lot of like ex-mormon or mormon adjacent people listening to this podcast you may have an opinion about root beer you may disagree with me you are wrong <laughs> is perfect it is oh, the coke snap. of root beer period and that's that and that's i um i was trying to understand like how did mormon culture go from in the 80s and 90s you and even into the 2000s do not touch caffeine to like we are crazed for soda caffeine is a non-issue get your sugar cookie get your dirty diet coke live it up yeah because that's a big journey for sure. I mean, do we know if the church is invested in soda, soda culture? That soda is a companies? great question. I mean, uh, we, I know that growing up, there was a man in our stake, a prominent member of the church in our stake, who was a big wig at Pepsi. Um, I'm not saying that is at all a factor, mm-hmm. but um, I'm just saying like, well, I'm just, yeah, there are prominent Mormons all over the place making money where they make money. Yeah. Who knows? Let me give you, I do know a little about this though. Let, let's back okay. up. So I think we got to start with the word of wisdom because this is kind of the origin of this cultural conflict. So word of wisdom is a revelation Joseph Smith received in the Doctrine and Covenants in uh what year was it received 1833 Mm -hmm. um and it's exactly what you said it's a code of health some of the guidelines are no hot drinks Mm -hmm. no tobacco you're supposed to eat food in its season Mm -hmm. you're supposed to eat meat sparingly though i don't Mm -hmm. know a single mormon who really i think i remember mom taking that into consideration like specifically red meat like it was like a once a week thing but i I think that was less word of wisdom and more like the the nineties of the time, Don't the Weight Watchers beef, guidelines, turkey, right? Yeah. But anyway, um, so that's what the word of wisdom is. Um, <clears throat> so received in 1833, but apparently there's a, a historical documentation of Joseph Smith basically not living the word of wisdom. 
Um, Like I read one account of how he gave a sermon about the word of wisdom and then was seen riding his horse through town smoking a cigar. Sure. So there's a certain like, this matters, but how much? I feel like I heard stories about how it was created because Emma Smith didn't like how there was um, chewing tobacco all over the place. Yes, on her floors. On her floors. I heard the same story. That's the sort of Mormon standard history of the word of wisdom. Emma Smith was tired of cleaning up the spit from Mm -hmm. tobacco chewers. And she was like, Joseph, surely God has doesn't want this for his people. And yeah. so Joseph, can I submit, can I submit a complaint to him yeah. and he can get back to you? Yeah, maybe? yeah, 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 yeah. And and Doctrine and Covenants 89 came from that, is the story. Right. So um into the 1900s, you know, the word of wisdom was a thing, but it wasn't super enforced mm-hmm. under Brigham Young chewing tobacco in the salt lake tabernacle was still a thing um he made a distinction between consuming certain products and selling them Mm. selling them was okay Mm. to non-mormons because you know who better to kind of regulate that and profit from it um apparently brigham young owned a bar in salt lake sure um which plays out in um i think current mormonism there are prominent mormons who own like alcohol companies and mm-hmm. work for pepsi as we know uh, and yeah. who knows what else mm-hmm. um prominent members of the church weren't living the word of wisdom well into the 20th century right it wasn't a criteria criteria to get into the temple until mm-hmm. 1921 that's yeah. when heber j grant made adherence to the word of wisdom part of the temple recommend interview Okay. So to get into the Mormon temple, you had to be living this code. But really, what they're asking when they ask if you're living the word of wisdom, do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you do drugs? Do you drink coffee or tea? Mm -hmm. They're not really, no one's staying out of the temple because they eat red meat. No. No. No, no. Absolutely not. Where the soda caffeine confusion comes into this Mm -hmm. is this commandment not to drink hot drinks Mm -hmm. because what's what does that even mean like all kinds of drinks are hot right and at somewhere along the way the um actually it was Hiram Smith and then Joseph Smith confirmed it he was like what hot drinks means is coffee and tea and so over the years Mormons were like well what do coffee and tea have in common caffeine that must be it right as early as 1918 there was an article in the improvement era magazine where a mormon professor said mormons shouldn't drink coca-cola because it had caffeine in it um in 1922 this is one of my favorites heber j grant who had just made the word of wisdom a requirement to get into the temple in general conference he says i'm not going to give any command but i will ask it as a personal individual favor to me to let coca-cola alone wow i the prophet as a personal favor and then wasn't coca-cola like let's talk yes so apparently after that he met with representatives from coca-cola and they were like no the amount of caffeine in coke is harmless and he like made another statement about it that was like ah coke's fine yeah it's gonna be all right you can have a little coke 
Yes. So who knows if the church has any business with Coke, but there is that weird little historical interaction. That it we was a about. weird hill. It was a weird hill to die on. Yes. I can understand why they've let up. Yes. Although but it's also, they weird. also didn't let up. I mean, that right. was the 1920s. And right. I mean, we were living in the 1990s, not touching Coke with a 10 foot sure. Yeah. 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 So after that, in the 1950s, um, the director of food services at BYU decided no caffeine on campus. And I think one thing I'm noticing in a lot of our like discussions about the history of church policies is that BYU is this little like, yeah, microcosm of the church where these mm-hmm. the stricter versions of things get sort of worked out, piloted. Like- like modesty in mm. clothing and yeah. and uh yeah coming after gay members and stuff right like that. yeah it's yeah, interesting so um that was the case at uau until 2017 yeah it no. was a big deal when they deal. were like listen we're putting cokes in the machines yeah there was like an article on by the bbc about it they're like you can get coke at byu wow it was a huge change i mean when Mm. i was at byu they had non they had caffeine free coke in the coke Mm. machines which what's the point it's a travesty and i didn't drink coke then but it was like that that was just reconfirming to me that i shouldn't yeah yeah Mm -hmm. the standard setters made it clear right one of the things that um is sort of pointed to as a as a moment that led to this shift in Mormon um, attitudes about caffeine was that Mitt Romney was photographed drinking a Diet Coke when he was running for president in 2012. Mitt! And um, not long after, the church released a statement being like, we never said no caffeine. Listen, we support our guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitt Romney's a good guy. Don't come for Mitt Romney. It's like, sure, Heber J. Grant asked you as a personal favor not to drink Coke, but like, we never said. No, no, no. Yeah. It's the 21st century. I guess they didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was strongly implied to the point that it was pretty standard practice when we were kids that Mormons were not drinking caffeine. For sure. But to be fair, there were a lot of things like not playing sports on Sunday or like not watching sports or doing like rigorous activity. Like, where does that come from? Yeah. And I are people still doing that. I don't know. Right. Because when we were kids, there were plenty of families who did watch the game, who did whatever would yeah. swim in their pool in the backyard but we were like no you have to be like at rest and yeah. just for a lot of our childhoods we weren't allowed to play outside though that was for me less a thing oh it was definitely a thing for me yeah i knew i knew folks who like you had to stay in your sunday clothes all day on sunday that was the standard mm-hmm. expectation Oof. and we weren't super strict about that we were Mm-mm. coming home and getting in our pajamas right. and watching the mountain of the lord hell yeah watching some kind of church approved or we were watching mm-hmm. like disney movies disney, or the sound of yeah. music there was some category of things that was okay yeah that is even, interesting even as like recently as right after my mission i remember uh i was really into the office mm. and dad was too 
Mm. And we would watch it on Sundays and mom didn't like it. Yeah. She would kind of say we shouldn't be watching this on Sunday. And eventually she let it go. And now I think they've fully let that go. And just Sunday is watch what you want to watch. You know, it's the Sabbath, but like. Yeah. Mostly in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the afternoons are for the boys. But this is all to say, like, those um, Mormon culture is powerful. I mean, we weren't in Utah. There apparently was no hard and fast rule about it. But we were living that rule of no caffeine to the mm-hmm. point that when I first had Diet Coke at 25, I felt like I was really edgy. Yeah, you were doing something. I was, I was, yeah, making moves. You had one foot out the door. <laughs> right? It's so silly in retrospect. It's, it's so crazy. Silly. And I remember as a kid trying to explain it to people, because people would be like, okay, where does that come from? And I'd explain the hot drinks and tea and coffee, AKA caffeine, AKA, okay, most mm-hmm. sodas or caffeinated sodas. And people would be like, okay, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's goofy. Mm-hmm. It feels arbitrary. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, and it turns out it was, it's mostly just, I think a way to like add a little layer of control, you know, cause people do want that out of their, you know, religious leaders. They do want them to say, here are some easy things that you cannot do mm-hmm. that keep you in good standing. Yeah. There are ways to demonstrate your devotion, your faithfulness, your willingness to sacrifice. Like, well, I can give up Pepsi and like, maybe God will reward me for that. And, and I think that is more or less the mentality of our family Mm -hmm. and why we were raised not to drink caffeine. But then the church comes around and is like, oh, no, no, we never said that we never cared about that and that's where it can feel really maddening it's like so wait we were making what felt sometimes like a little bit of a sacrifice yeah for nothing and like nobody even cared anyway (laughs) yeah and it really was just kind of like the whims of the guy at BYU who was in charge of ordering the sodas and one day in 2017 (laughs) he was like Let's just bring in the caffeine. Who cares? Yes. That's all it was. Live. I know. That can feel a little maddening when you're being, when everything is being framed as like eternal truth and having mm-hmm. such high stakes and involving revelation to then have it just be like, no, get your soda, get your sugar cookie. <laughs> uh, it's It looks like there's big business there. Let's yeah. bring that money in. Bring the money in. We'll see you on Sunday. Nobody's mad about that. Way to go, Mitt. Mitt. Yeah. Thank you, Mitt Romney, for normalizing Diet Coke and Mormonism. Thank you so much. Bless you. Well, (laughs) that seems like as good a place as any to wrap it up. And on that note, we dedicate this episode to Mitt Romney. And to that all Diet Coke. And for that guy working at BYU who decided to be a life-changing angel of mercy. Yes. Mm -hmm. We don't know who you are, but bless you. Bless you. Please bless. Please bless him. Please bless Mitt. Please bless this podcast. Amen.
Amen. All right, folks, follow us everywhere at Please Bless Pod. We'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm. We sure will. Um, if there is any topic you would like to see us touch upon, uh, go ahead and send your ideas to pleaseblesspod at gmail.com. Um, if you are currently a listener and would like to be a viewer, you mm. can watch our videos on YouTube. Simply look up Please Bless This Podcast and we'll just pop right up. We sure will. Just go ahead and subscribe. TikTok. We've We're got there. We're doing we got it. lots going on on TikTok, man. Come on down. Amen. Amen. Thanks, bud. Very good. <laughs>